Let's do this! This is the PowerShell Podcast. So smooth. The podcast for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey everybody, welcome back to PowerShell Podcast. I'm Ultra Mega Superstar, Jordan, along with the other guy, Andrew. The other guy coming in. Um, you know, I like the big the big intros, but you know, Jordan, I'm thankful for the good titles and the bad titles you give me, so thank you. Yeah, I, I have them out willy-nilly. There's no rhyme or reason. You know, I think there is, and I'm trying to decode it, but I haven't quite figured it out. But we have a special episode. We have two very special guests today. Some would say that specialist. The most specialist? Yes. Who do we have? Well, we've got me. Oh. And then uh, uh, Andrew. Oh, nice. No, Little... no, no, no third person this time. We just, we want this chance to, to chat. To chat. Uh, in the <laughs> States, we have a holiday week uh, for Thanksgiving. We have a very important birthday, a hugely important birthday. What do we have? Who's turning 17? I think PowerShell just turned 17. PowerShell? The language we talk about week in and week out and use to automate away all of life's problems. All right. Let's get, uh, let's get some survey requests out of the way so we can get into what we're thankful for. Oh, okay. First, first survey. This one is, is for us. Uh, when we first started this, it was very different format. It's kind of evolved. But over the last year, we've kind of been locked into what we're doing. And we want to make sure that we're doing the best that we can, or if there's things we need to do more of or less of. So we have a survey, which is link below, to kind of give us some feedbacks to help us kind of guide, see if we need to make any changes, make sure we can get this podcast to be its best version. Exactly. Got questions about favorite episodes, things we should add, all kinds of good stuff. And as we know from talking to all of our guests, the best way to make things better is to get feedback and get other people's perspectives. So that's what we're hoping to do here. If you listen to the podcast, we'd really value your feedback and love the opportunity to hear your perspective. Now, that's that's survey number one. Survey number two, we have the State of Sysadmin survey. Jordan, PDQ is kicking off its third annual State of System Administration survey, and we'd love your input. Last year, we surveyed over a thousand IT pros to understand salaries, popular IT tools, cybersecurity trends, and the one true pronunciation of Tara Jordan. GIF. GIF. I agree with you. Take our survey and help us gather insights into what IT looks like right now. So I, I will say with this one, I found it interesting. Uh, we The first time we did this was around COVID. And I think it was the peak we're ever going to get of IT people felt like they had the support of upper level executives. Yeah. Because we, we transferred to remote pretty quick like the the work it did during that time is is legendary we're awesome yeah and and it showed we got all that appreciation so i am curious after three years since then yeah has, has, is the appreciation still going strong or uh or are we once again forgotten about are we now a cost center instead of a a benefit yeah that's interesting to think about because hopefully after it had to kind of get in motion and make everybody remote and all the other kinds of demands that were placed upon the it team maybe communication between departments and and that kind of stuff is better now let's hope so but very curious to hear everyone's impressions on things and we have some community news some cool stuff so 
friend of the podcast, community extraordinaire, Microsoft security legend, Fred, uh, has some awesome new updates to PS Framework. Uh, has some cool new run space features. You can get that in the latest version. And I have links in the show notes to some documentation all about the run space workflows, um, which I love to see any project that is shipped. When it ships a new feature, it ships great documentation on that feature. And Fred has been doing that pretty consistently for a while. So always great to see. I think the first time we interviewed Fred, he said uh, PS Framework was his magnum opus. So to yeah. see new and big things happening to it is, it's got to be a pr- proud papa moment for Fred. I mean, he takes pride in it for sure. I think he has a, a rule about like no breaking changes, right? Because he expects, he relies on this um, project and so does a lot of other things that he does and other people and other projects rely on this project a module that I wrote in the past made use of it for its configuration and logging features. Um, so cool. Check it out. We might have to have another episode with him on that or maybe get him to do a user group, talk about it again. I always feel like I learned something new about projects I'm already aware of whenever Fred talks about them. He just seems to understand the, uh, the, the how, not just the what. Yeah, or the why. And he's good at communicating it and teaching too, because usually when you get people who know it so well, um, it can be hard for them to communicate that to others. But uh, yeah, Fred was helping me out when I was a super noob. I've learned so much from Fred. So always great to be able to be in the same community with him, shouting him out. Happy moment. And there's also a cool new module that I saw, um, which is the Mail Policy Explainer, which explains the domain's DNS records, MX, SPF, DKIM, DMARC, and more. Um, you can get that install module, Mail Policy Explainer. Check it out. So I'll, I'll be honest, I've exchanged admin for years. Having something explained to me what the SPF record is telling me. Because they're always the back of my mind is like, do I have this correct? It's important for security. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I think it's important for understanding how DNS works and just getting some insight into things. Because so much of what we do in IT, we configure something and then Without tools like PowerShell or automation to check into those things, it can be really challenging um, to ensure that things are configured properly and to ensure that your huge spanning IT infrastructure is actually configured as you think it should be. I guess it's good to know what you're doing. I think so, too. So we mentioned this is kind of a special holiday week episode, and our focus for this episode is thankfulness and what we're thankful for. Um, first of all, I want to be clear. This is the greatest holiday. Uh, there is not even a close second. Thanksgiving, every, every country should have a Thanksgiving because it's just time spent with family. Yeah. You know, I love, I love this holiday. I, I think any excuse to kind of get people together, maybe away from phones and things like that, and just interact and eat and share a meal like that's been such a thing for people for so long sharing meals and bonding over that all kinds of different cultures so any excuse for that i'm down for and plus when the weather gets cooler i'm over here in florida it's uh finally starting to get cooler i've been sweating like crazy all summer um but listen that's just the start we got this whole amazing powershell community to be thankful for and and jordan like you said whenever we were plugging the uh podcast survey link Man, we've been doing this for a while now. This is, I think, our 91st or 92nd episode. Around there. That's almost 100, man. We're coming in on it. So I do know when we first started, and this is going to surprise none of the listeners, you were far more optimistic than I was 
that it would be, it, it would take off. So I've been really excited about the community jumping in and helping it be, I don't know, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I definitely was optimistic. Um, but, you know, like I've said a handful of times on the pod, I would have been happy with three to 12. 12 would have been great. 12 consistent listeners who are getting value out of it every week would have been, would have been a great uh, place to be. And to see where we are now compared to that is, is awesome. And, you know, I love it when people reach out and share their stories or uh, say how they found us or kind of where they are in their PowerShell journey. Because we have people from all different backgrounds, all different countries, all over the world. Um, and it's cool to see the people who are like the Freds of the world, who are creating amazing modules, who are enjoying the podcast and getting to hear from the other people in the community that they look up to and respect and learning about new projects. But then also we have people who are who have yet to write a PowerShell script who are in that beginning phase of seeing the cool stuff that's out there, writing some stuff themselves, working through uh, maybe a book, PowerShell in the month of lunches or some equivalent. And you know what? We're here for all of you. That's the beautiful thing about the PowerShell community is that we really genuinely do value, not just us on the podcast talking, but we value all the different perspectives. Um, everyone that I've interacted with in PowerShell loves teaching others. So whether you're super advanced and love paying attention to all the advanced details and technical stuff that we get into, or if you're someone who's just hearing, trying to get a better perspective as to how some of the top minds in PowerShell think about, communicate, and approach ideas, well, we're here for you. Um, Jordan, what has been some of your favorite memories from the podcast or during the podcast since we've been doing it? Uh, favorite? I mean, there's a lot. There's so many, right? Every single week we're doing one, so it is, it's a lot of interviews we've done. So me, not unlike many others, got their start reading Don Jones' book. So interviewing him was amazing for me. And mm -hmm. having, hearing him talk about how writing uh, technical manuals versus uh, fiction was the same process for him, I never would have expected that because it just feels so so different. That one's always been, I think about that all the time. I don't, I don't know why I can't let that one go. Uh, bonding with Chrissy Lumiere over food. Oh, I know. Cool. I know food wasn't the subject, but we, uh, man, we, we were on the same page when it came to discussing food. That was, that was fantastic for me. Agreed. Yeah, there's been a lot of cool times. <clears throat> for me, there's been a lot of great interviews that we've done and learning, like getting to connect with some people who I really respect and to be able to chat with a while and just to go from seeing someone as a rock star to being able to see them as a human being who's done some really cool stuff, but is still a human and has a lot of the same struggles. That's where it's at for me. Because um, I like to always think of myself as just like a normal person, right? You know, any of my successes are not from being like a superstar. It's from just working and slowly improving and that kind of thing. And then to be able to talk to people who are super successful, who've kind of just done the same exact thing just for a little bit longer, maybe more intense or maybe different opportunities is very reassuring, especially because we're in a position where we're kind of telling people to get into PowerShell and teaching people and to know that there is a path tried and true that people can take to advance themselves as people and themselves as IT professionals. I love it because we've gotten to see it, right? We've gotten to see people get those promotions. We've been able to see people and interview them from beginning, being a beginner, like with Clayton, where he hasn't written anything. Now he's contributing blogs. We were there for that process. You know, when Drew got uh, his first sysadmin job, we were there for that. You know, we were there when he was a super noob. We were there with him at Summit when he got the on-ramp. I mean, 
this is such a cool thing outside of people getting better at PowerShell. We're seeing lives change. Um, and, and anytime you can see that, it's just such a reassuring thing to see because I feel like speaking for myself and maybe you as well, it's like our lives have been changed through PowerShell. So to be able to pay that forward in some small way is what it's all about. Um, so I, I love that, man. Such a cool experience it's been so far. Really nothing I kind of expected um, in my professional career, but so happy to be here and connecting with all of our listeners. Yeah, it's definitely been different than I I remember the first summit when we were brand new to the webcast or the podcast and we were setting up for the bar sessions and it was, uh, it was, I think you had to go hunt down a couple of times to see if people wanted to talk. Yeah. And we were nervous. We we're like, how would people, do they want to actually talk to us? And we had some good conversations and apologies to, uh, uh, posh wolf where we lost his recording. I still feel bad about that. I think we got him back the next year though. We did. Yeah. But the next year when we were set up, people were excited to come and talk to us. It was yeah, big, bigger crowds. It, it was, uh, it was fun. It's fun to see the transition. I really, I really like what we're yeah, going with this. So I did the PowerShell conference, mini conference, the mini con on gather. It's like an online platform where you walk around as a little avatar and talk to people. And I was at a table talking to some people and I had my camera off <laughs> and some, I heard some people talking. They were like, do you think the guys from the PowerShell podcast are going to be here? And then I just, you know, I talked to them a little bit on, turned on my camera and all that, but it, it's just cool to be just part of things. You know, we've been involved in the community before and it, it is always reassuring to be involved and feel like you belong and adding value as well. It's like, I, I really enjoy that aspect of feeling like I'm really part of something bigger than myself here. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. To say the least, man, to say the least, a lot of automation has been made possible. Hopefully the security landscape has been improved just a little bit, just a little bit. That I think is one of the most important discussions you've had is there's for a long time, it feels like there's been a large push to say PowerShell is a security risk because it's often used during a breach yeah. and being able to have a discussion on why not only is it a good thing if it's used for logging purposes, but how it's a secure a secure option. It's yeah. it's a big change, but it's an important change because you hear about people that want to lock down PowerShell completely, and it's it's a horrifying thought. Yep. And to be able to talk to the security professionals who are in the trenches actually with the organizations doing this kind of stuff is very cool because um, it's not just us saying things, right? We're, we're actually tapping into community leaders and experts to get their perspective and uh, their take on things and being able to share that with people is sweet. A lot of what I like doing with the podcast is just giving others what I loved on my come up, which was the PowerShell scripting podcast and just more opportunities to tap in and feel like you're connected and part of the community. And if that's listening to us and our guests every single week, well, that's perfect. If that's attending user groups, awesome. We just want to make sure that we have all that covered. And, and PowerShell is in a fantastic language. So the more community involvement and initiatives that we have, the better overall, in my opinion. And that even includes listeners out there starting their own blogs, getting their things started, sharing their projects and their ideas and getting feedback. Now, Jordan, on the topic of things we're thankful for, we're obviously super thankful for our listeners as we've kind of gone over and, and all that they've done for us. Um, but what else are you thankful for in PowerShell? I don't know. It's the basis of my career, so that's kind of nice. That's, <laughs> I 
Uh, it, it helped me move off of help desk for the first time into more sysadmin role. I don't think I would be a fraction of the exchange admin I had been without it. I and mean, anymore, I don't think you can even really be an exchange admin without it, especially for on-prem. Yeah. And then it helped me get the current job that I'm at, which has been life-changing for my family. So, I mean, all through my career, PowerShell has been a massive part of it. And I don't know, I'm, I'm excited to do more with it. Is it more of, for you, like what PowerShell has given you, is it more of a personal thing or is it more of a technical thing? Because, um, you know, you mentioned family changing, but you also mentioned being able to do your job more effectively and even at all. But for you, where does it fall? I'd say it's more technical. It's it's given me the tools that I needed to further my career, which in turn leads to better situations for the family, but ultimately it's technical. And if I have given a choice between doing technical and non-technical, I'm going to take technical every time. It's uh, We've been rebuilding the domain for our web last couple of weeks and I've been going in and I felt, I felt like a sysadmin again. I've been having such a good time. <laughs> I've been, I've actually gotten comments about how, how excited I've been to go through the office while I fix things that have gone, not, not gone well. It's been a lot of fun for me. Agreed. Agreed. That's been a fun little project. Um, for me, I feel like I, I love the technical part, but for me, PowerShell has been more like a personal slash professional journey because along the way, like learning PowerShell for me was pretty challenging. Um, in the beginning, it took a lot of effort and uh, to do like my first couple of projects and things like that, I really had to sit down and push myself in a way that I hadn't really too much before and just really sit and be uncomfortable um, in the console or whatever, trying to figure things out and forcing myself to kind of stay there and get acclimated and push outside of my comfort zone and then moving on to doing like more blogging and speaking at conferences and user groups and now the podcast, like that type of stuff has been pretty challenging or some, some big things that I've had to do on a personal level, right. To go from just working a normal job to, Oh, now you're doing public stuff for me was a bit challenging. I had a lot of imposter syndrome and stuff. Um, and to get over or at least deal with a lot of that stuff a bit better now has been pretty good for my energy levels. I'll say. And also, like we said with a lot of our guests, once you kind of get past those hurdles, it's like those bricks are already laid. It's not quite as hard. You can keep building momentum past that. Yeah, I, I do know a lot of people that I've worked with in the past are stunned that I do anything public facing because for a large portion of my career, I've been, I don't want to say unpleasant, uh, unapproachable. That's not. So to give an example of a person that I mentored when they're first starting is he said, I would always, if I had a question that was new, you'd always give me the right answer. And then that was the end of it. There was no discussion. There was no, it was just a turn around, give him the answer, turn back. So for him, watching me do this kind of stuff has been uh, jarring for him. Yeah. But I don't know, that's that's kind of the, the value of doing this now is I feel like I'm more of a complete worker now. Like I, because being, being good at the technical is all well and good, but if you're unpleasant to work with, it's ultimately going to hold you back. So I, I'm excited that I've added the new skills. Definitely agree with that. More stuff gets done when you can collaborate effectively and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I kind of want to bring up a slight aside that helps me. It kind of just came to me randomly. I read a Discord post in the PDQ Discord recently. Discord.gg slash PDQ if you want to join us there. We have a PowerShell scripting channel. But a friend of the podcast was talking about how sometimes they struggle at work with dealing with other departments who don't want to make certain decisions. And that 
they wish they didn't have to rely on the soft skills as much, which I can relate to like trying to make changes at an org. And it's like, Oh gosh, I, I want to do what's best, but this is just such a headache. And one thing that helped me with dealing with some of those decisions I didn't agree with was thinking of the IT system outside of myself, right? Like I am not the IT environment here. I'm just somebody who is in service of it and who is employed to do the best decisions and to communicate that effectively. It's not my decision to make every decision. That's not it. It's to operate on behalf of the business that can make decisions. Um, so just kind of being able to externalize that is a little bit easier to cope when there's a lot of corporate BS that can kind of hurdle you down. Um, random thought, but I, I definitely remember that being a thing in my career. Because when you start taking things seriously, you really want to do it the right way. Like you learn and you see that, oh, wow, this is how people are actually doing things. We should do things this way. Well, orgs can be kind of slow at times, so stick with it. You can't automate the soft skills. You can't. Nope. And a lot of times the soft skills are one thing. There's also like relationships you sometimes have to develop over time. So like even if you're approaching things from a different perspective and like approaching communication differently, it can take a little bit of time to establish a new normal or a new expectation when communicating between departments and between people. So having good friendships and relationships with coworkers can be really helpful for that. But anyways, sorry, I you know I always get sucked into something related to soft when skills. When it starts going into soft skills, it's you're very passionate about it. There's always going to be new excitement, which is fine. Yeah. I can't I can't get we can't get this excited about PowerShell stuff and then get grumpy when people get excited about something else. That's true. <laughs> and I, I think that one cool thing is that PowerShell is just an enabler for so much, right? We have security professionals, we have exchange professionals, Azure, so on and so forth. So SQL listeners. SQL admins, um, so many. And we all use PowerShell as a way to enable us, but it's not the end-all be-all. It's just a tool in our tool belt that we use to automate and manage all kinds of things. And I like to see that mindset because obviously we are the PowerShell podcast, but we're pretty honest and fair about PowerShell is not the only tool in the universe to solve problems. Doesn't fix everything. Nope, doesn't fix everything. And sometimes maybe you have an internal tool that will do things better or maybe PowerShell isn't the right answer and that's okay sometimes too. But I tell you what, my day-to-day -day console, you already know. PS read lines in there, PowerShell, we're good to go. Put me in any environment, cross-platform, I'll be at home. So some other just generic things about the PowerShell language that I am pretty thankful for and also I think part of what makes it such a great language. And the first is ease of use. So it's a super powerful automation framework, um, but it's surprisingly easy to kind of get started with, right? We have the readable command names. Um, and if you come into PowerShell with some programming experience, you'll be able to slot a lot of what you know into PowerShell and start using it pretty quick, which we can kind of see that a lot of times with, with certain um, repos from people with more of a dev background. You can kind of see that, but they're able to do some really cool stuff. I think Sean Lowry was one of those where it's like more of a dev background, but creating some really cool projects. Um, that's that's one thing that I'm thankful about with PowerShell that is not soft skills related. How's that? I like it. So I, I know I, I like that because uh, you mentioned coming from a background to see transition. It's also 
in my mind, obviously, I only have the one experience. The easiest way for a sysadmin with no programming or scripting background to jump in and learn it just because it is so approachable. And it solves problems you're dealing with. Yeah, so early on when I first started out, because I never really went out to any help forms or anything, I just would kind of make make it work. Uh, and, and the fact is, is I could do quite a lot of automation without even fully understanding what I was doing. I didn't know what it meant to return an object. I didn't realize there, how valuable that was. But I did know that I could automate out a lot of things that I didn't like. I, I would dread going back and viewing some of those scripts now. But the fact is, someone who had no idea of any of that could still go in and do automation and get started. Yep. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's very nice to have. It, it is very nice to have. Another thing that I love about it, Jordan, that it's sort of is ease of use, but it's the consistency, right? So PowerShell is based on .NET. We know this. And it maintains a consistent syntax, and the naming conventions and the parameters, uh, makes it a lot easier to remember the commands and find commands, right? Make use of git commands to find what you're looking for. The verb noun naming scheme is very nice, in my opinion. It makes things very readable, which is great when you want other people to help with your code, not just you. Um, and we mentioned the dev background thing. Well, oftentimes, um, at least in some teams these days, you have people with different skills. And when you're able to get devs without PowerShell experience or people with dev experience without PowerShell experience to be able to contribute and understand your code, that's a huge win. You sort of are able to make more headway and have a foothold when you're working with a language that's readable by others. Um, and PowerShell is pretty readable, especially if you write your code in a non-cryptic way, which is, I think, what a lot of people recommend. Uh, so make readable scripts and benefit. Yeah, I, I was like that uh, from day one, documentation has been critical. It's never been something, oh, we'll go back and get that. Because get help is it's the command. It does, you learn so much from it. So much. And, you know, don't forget about those about topics as well. Those no are underscore, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Another thing about PowerShell, it is powerful. Do you know that, Jordan? Did you know that PowerShell can do a bunch of this stuff? This is the first I'm hearing about it. Do enlighten me. So you can get, you know, we mentioned easy use and getting started in little, you know, maybe you can run one little line that can do some cool automation for you and, and change a bunch of things from one line rather than you manually doing it. But you can also write some pretty big scripts and automation and modules, and you can take things to the next level and do things properly. Um, so you can kind of have the best of both worlds in that sense. What else we got, Jordan? No, you just continue reading from your list. You can. Flexibility. Ooh, so flexible. I've been working on my flexibility. I still can't quite reach my toes, but how about PowerShell? Yeah, the ability to interact with objects. It's nice right. that it works so well with uh, .NET. I mean, obviously, it's built on it, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great feature that it has, especially we're taking things to the next level and maybe getting access to things outside of PowerShell. Always helpful. And you know what, Jordan? I mentioned one-liners and how great it is to get started. Did you know there's a pipeline? Yeah, there's pipeline support in PowerShell, man. You can take one command, put a pipe character, connect it to another command that's looking for that type of object. And oh my goodness, Jordan, you can have connect commands. And it's a moving a bit out of PowerShell for this one. That's what was so fascinating with uh, when, when Bruce Payette showed us his uh, braid. 
yeah. that it would take PowerShell commands you could pipe into Braid and Braid into like I thought that was pretty slick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd say slick is a good word. Ch- uh, next level stuff, right? We talked about how powerful it is. Yeah, you can do a lot with PowerShell and extend it, as we've seen. There's also you were mentioning earlier some amazing documentation since day one, and it, it that I don't want to say the principle of having really good documentation. Um, it doesn't just apply to the PowerShell commands. There's a lot of modules who've kind of taken inspiration and there's just a general understanding in the PowerShell world about the importance of documentation. That isn't to say that every module has great documentation. And if you find one that doesn't, I highly recommend filing an issue. And maybe if you're willing, being uh, being able to contribute some docs as you go through and learn things and to find some undocumented parameters, maybe make some changes to the, to the docs for the project, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, there's just generally great documentation and are a good number of blogs for new projects that come out that kind of get you started. There's, there's all kinds of good stuff there. You know what my favorite thing is, though, to be completely honest with you? I'm just going to throw it out there as a guess. Definitely didn't read it from your list. Is it the community? Jordan, you're so good at this, man. No fourth wall at all. <laughs> Jordan, it is the community, my man. It is. No surprise there. It's the best community um, that I've ever been a part of. It's so supportive, so cool. Um, a lot of people from all over the world working together. Uh, I think a lot of us have a similar shared experience when you've been in the PowerShell world. And having that shared experience of kind of having your professional world rocked by PowerShell in a good way and having it really shake things up and empower you. Um, it's just really easy to relate with each other and take that passion and pay it forward and create great projects and ultimately just have this really vibrant community, which is the reason we started this podcast was because of the community and for the community. Yeah, I think the first couple episodes, you just, just going through things we read about that week in the community before we started bringing guests in. Yeah. Because really, that's that's what we're here for, is to connect people with with cool things and be a resource in the community, for the community. Last but not least, man, we got that crass, cross, that crass platform. Now, the cross-platform compatibility. Uh, you can learn PowerShell if you're a Windows admin. Take it with you on Linux. Take it with you on Mac. Whatever you need, PowerShell's there for you. A lot of our guests are using PowerShell and Linux or Mac regularly as their daily driver. Um, and I can tell you whenever I'm loading up a new system or anything, I'm, I'm putting PowerShell on it just because I have that familiarity and that comfort and I'm pretty fast at it. Um, and I can take the skills that I learned and take them with me, right? I, I learned PowerShell in previous jobs and I can take it to my next one, no matter what computer I'm on. Especially, I love highlighting this, with CTFs and stuff like that, um, oftentimes, when you're trying to like capture the flag, they'll put you uh, onto Linux machines, and I'm not as familiar. But being able to use my PowerShell console and tap into some Linux utilities, like Jack the Ripper to force some passwords, is it's just so much fun. Because with PowerShell, we don't just have PowerShell. We have other executables we can call and use within PowerShell, right? Because it's a command line or terminal. I like it. It's fun stuff. Man. I give you, I give you passing grades. I mean, you can put it on your Raspberry Pi, Jordan. Did you know that? Yes, I did know that. That is so cool. I've seen people do it on their phone, their Android phone too. Yeah, I, I do want to. I, I have a Raspberry Pi that I haven't used, and I want to start doing stuff with that. But I wasn't sure if I was going to do 
power show with it or but we'll find out that's gonna be fun for me a little bit of everything yeah i like the whole vs code thing with powershell and then the uh there's a vs code app that you can run like develop on your main machine and like run the commands on your raspberry pi or whatever uh, which is kind of a cool way to have a nice interactive experience uh, through ssh of automating and programming some stuff on your home network or whatever side project you got. It's a good excuse to learn. I think a lot of us have Raspberry Pis in our closet. If you've been in IT for a long enough time, these days apparently it's harder to find, but I think it's getting a little bit better with the uh, availability of the Raspberry Pis. And they're getting smaller. So, And I think there's alternatives to Raspberry Pis, which are pretty cool as well. We need to have another Raspberry Pi episode, don't you think? Yeah. I feel like we've been sleeping on it. Yeah, well, it's not one that instantly jumps out to you. Yeah, but I just it is. Like it. It's probably the most versatile thing you can you can use with it. And where PowerShell is already so versatile, you're adding two kinds of versatile there. I don't know. I think it's a good project for people who are trying to learn more too. It's like a good excuse and use case for more of a non-work network. Like, what can I do in the weekend with PowerShell if I want to learn more? You can do some cool automation. Um, I have a friend maybe coworker who used it to rename his collection of, I don't remember what it was, but some kind of, he had some digital files. He was able to add some good uh, renaming to them, make them a consistent naming format. And yeah, I love using PowerShell for massive file renames. All right, Jordan, I want to hear some success stories that we've had. So, You've been using PowerShell for a while. Do you have any uh, particular moments in your history with PowerShell where you're like, okay, that was a big W right there? Well, I mean, in the last seven years, all of my PowerShell has been more to showcase on webcast than in the actual implementation, which kind of limits as far as like wins. But I've done some things I thought were pretty cool. Uh, I did uh, uh, some automation for if there's software that you want to keep up to date. PowerShell to go and like kind of like a web scraper and pull it down and it uses our products. I'm not looking to sell those. I'm just to, to then kick off a schedule and make sure everything's up to date. So it updates all the variables and everything. So it's kind of just a way to make sure certain software updates without you having to think about it on a schedule. Yeah. I mean, I'd say those are big powers. I think you've had a lot of blogs that have gotten a lot of traction, a lot of traction, a lot more traction than people may realize over the years. And I think that helping others, um, to get started or to do projects is a huge W. Uh, there, there's one just on the PowerShell front I was proud of, but as usefulness, I'm not so sure. And that was, uh, it was, I used PowerShell to query computers and pull back the data. And then I'd put that from what I pulled into like a time series database to kind of build like a dashboard. Uh, there's just so many better ways to do it. It was, uh, a lot went into it. It, it would have been easier to just, learn Linux and, uh, and, and Nagios, I think, than <laughs> what I did. But it, it, was, it was fun to build. I enjoyed it. And sometimes those projects are, are very educational and can be perspective-enhancing. So for me, so I have a, a lot that kind of come to mind. But my what felt like a big turning point for me was a uh, previous role I was responsible for 
getting us a new ticketing system and finding the right one within a pretty limited budget <laughs> that cuts out a lot of the ones that uh, maybe some bigger orgs would, would choose. And I was able to find one that had an API. And I knew that because of PowerShell, even though I hadn't really done much with APIs before, I knew if they had an API that I could do more with it. And I checked out the API and I checked out the endpoints and it looked like it had a ton of endpoints to do a bunch of stuff. So I said, okay, maybe if this ticketing system's missing a few features, I can do whatever I need to do in PowerShell because I know PowerShell and they have an API that allows me to interact. Um, there were some, some cool ways I did that. So I, I wrote a module for it, um, the top desk PS module. Took me a really long time to write it because there's so many endpoints and to learn about APIs for the first time while writing a module um, was pretty challenging. But it was, you know, by the time I was done with the whole project, I felt like, okay, I get things now. I had enough time exposed and writing functions and trying to make it all work that I, I kind of get things now and use source control and all that and published it. And uh, it was really cool to see other people get used from it because the software that I uh, wrote the module for was heavily used in Netherlands. So it was really cool to get a bunch of people from the Netherlands using it. And um, yeah, to me, that was a big one. I used it to do a lot of automation internally, as did other people who used the module and just felt like before and after that project, um, what I could do with PowerShell, my confidence in that was increased quite a bit. Um, but before that, I knew I could do technically mostly anything in PowerShell. I just hadn't yet. Um, but after this, I was like, yo, I got this. Gotta love automation, man. It's, man, I, I think that's uh, something I say just about at least once a week. I, I, th I think this week on, on a video, I said uh, the best work is the work you don't have to do anymore. I like that. Uh, less work is is more good, um, and also clearing up your kind of mental bandwidth to stay on top of things. Because I definitely know in ticketing based jobs, if things aren't if you're not on top of things, it can be pretty challenging to work in that environment, and when everything's on fire all the time. So automating away some of those fires and giving you some getting ahead of the curve and being proactive is going to be a much more enjoyable day to day experience, I believe. All right. Well, we can't all be all uh, warm fuzzy today. Do we want to go into actual some PowerShell stuff? You know what, Jordan? Sometimes things are going right, and you know you're typing commands, and it's always working, and and that's great. But sometimes you hit a block, you hit a roadblock, and you get an error. And what do we do when we get an error? Because I think that in the beginning process, errors are really challenging for people, even to just be able to read an error and think about the code you wrote, and not think that like oh, I typed a command, pressed enter, magic happened, and some magic popped up on the screen, and I have no clue what it all does. To be able to read those errors and to go through your code and kind of figure out what's going on um, is its own thing. So I wanted to share some PowerShell tips today about error handling, um, just to give our audience a little takeaway and kind of maybe pave the path in their brain for whenever they run into it or want to learn more about error handling. Well, I mean, obviously, I didn't know there was an error variable for like the first eight years, because honestly, I just didn't make mistakes. Ooh. But <laughs> that's a podcast intro right there. <laughs> you know, but once I made my first mistake and I got the red text, you know, initial panic, but obviously I mastered it right away because I'm a super genius. But why don't you explain it to me like I'm dumb, Andrew? Because explain which part, you know, all of it. So we'll start from the beginning, okay? So with errors, there's two different types of errors. There's terminating and non-terminating errors. And terminating errors 
terminate the script from running or, or stop it, right? And non-terminating allows the script to continue. Um, and there's reasons why you'd want the script to continue, and there's reasons why you'd want it to stop, depending on what you're doing. Um, so that's kind of the basics of what errors are. And you mentioned the error variable, right? Dollar sign error, which is an array. So it includes all the errors in your current session. Um, and since it is an array, if you want to access the most recent one, which would be at the zeroth place of the array, you would do dollar sign error bracket zero, right bracket, closing bracket. And then you would get the most recent error. And just knowing that that's there is, is pretty helpful um, when you're in a session and you're having a bunch of errors pop up and you're trying to figure things out. Maybe you typed in another command. You want to go back, check out the error variable. So, and th that's one, the initial, when it just looks like the wall of red text, it seems daunting. Uh, and, and a lot of it is definitely for more of the, if you want to dive in back in what's happening, but if you spend time just reading through it, there are bits in there that just really give you a solid clue of where things went wrong down to, it was on this line that we ran into this error. If the, even if that, that alone makes it easier to troubleshoot everything. Definitely. It, it definitely does. And when it comes to dealing with errors in our scripts, well, we are very fortunate that we have try, catch, and finally blocks. And I'll include a link in the show notes to give you all a full rundown on that, a little bit more than what we can get to uh, in audio format. But there's essentially three blocks um, when you want to write some error handling. So you have a try block, which it contains the script lines, which are which where the errors could come from, right? This is the code you want to run initially. And if any errors occur, you go to the catch block. So you have a try, then you have a catch. And the catch is designed to handle errors or exceptions. Um, and that's where you would throw the error or do some other things based on the error, maybe clean up something, depending on what you're doing. And then there's the finally block, which is a block that executes regardless of what happens and try and catch. And this can be good for some uh, finalizing cleanup. I have some follow-up questions. Okay. Is a non-terminating error going to go to the catch block? Um, good question. That's a great question. Good, Jordan. I, I, don't, I don't believe it does. I don't think it does, no. no. Non-terminating, I don't think, would kick it off. Um, but there are a few other things that we should cover that could make something terminating um, or when an error would cause a certain action. Yeah, so the the importance of the the finally is if it is a terminating error, if you're doing something where it's building out something and there's an error in the middle of the code, uh, without any sort of cleanup, you're just leaving remnants behind, which is never good practice. So finally is a good way is if you hit this error, you can put in code to say clean up all of the the remnants so you're not leaving behind a messy messy environment. Well, so finally runs regardless of if there's an error or not. Yes. Yes. But but finally, I was just going into the. If you have a terminating error, finally is a good way to make sure you're not leaving remnants. It's a, it's awesome for cleanup. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely look into it finally for cleanup, and we'll have a nice blog post on all that that'll break it down for you. But there's an error action preference variable. So error action preference. Uh, so it's literally just a variable that you can set, and it is already set. If you don't, if you type in dollar sign error action preference, you'll see what it is. Um, but this variable determines the default action when a non-terminating error occurs. So you can set it to continue, stop, silently continue, ignore, inquire, um, et cetera. 
the variable itself, that's just the default behavior for what you're running. If within the try block, if you want to treat all errors as terminating, you could just do dash error preference there to set basically everything to be terminating. Um, so error action on the error, error action, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. You could use the error action parameter, which is a common parameter that overrules the error action preference for a single command, um, which I think is the preferred kind of way to go about things. I think you'll see a lot of times dollar sign error action preference equals silently continue. Um, but if you can use the error action parameter, give it a go. Uh, there's also, so I mentioned throwing an error earlier. So there's a throw keyword in PowerShell that will halt the script execution and deliver an exception. So it's a good way to throw errors onto the screen if you captured them. Um, maybe a customized error if you wanted to if, under certain criteria. If you're delivering this to someone else, uh, it can be helpful to add additional context in an error. You can use it to define like just like an error code. So internally, if error 3865 means something particular, you can make sure it throws in that time. Just so instead of having to go through and dig through, you just look for that exception number that's thrown out makes it easier to, uh, I guess, track down. Yeah. There's also the right error commandlet rather than throw, which is another way. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty useful for generating non-terminating errors with custom messages. And then there's the error variable parameter. So on commands that you run, you can do dash error variable, and you can output the error into its own variable. Uh, if you wanted to do something with that or capture it, um, you're able to do that from within the command. But there's, there's a lot of stuff to it. And that that is one where the behavior is not always what you expect because uh, based on the, the stream that it's in, like the error is thrown at a certain thing. So if you want to be able to capture it, you have to send it over to a different area. It's like diving into actually capturing errors can get a little bit weird. It's it's worth doing a deep dive in. Yeah. We'll have some good links in the show notes to further explore these. Hopefully these wet your whistle and you're now super eager to learn more about error handling. Or at the very least, when you run into it, you kind of have a place to go. And it's just a great one to have just to, if, if nothing else, learning it is going to be slow. But once you have it mastered, when something goes wrong, the time you save to go in and fix it is, you, you make your time back pretty quick, I think. Yeah, and there are certain tasks that I think kind of require try-catch, and then even finally at times, um, if you're going to be doing certain automation and certain big changes, try-catch finally is going to be something you're definitely going to want to at least have in your back pocket and some exposure to beforehand. Um, whereas the other things, I think they're a little bit more discoverable kind of as you go. Try catch is where it's at. I think we're cutting this one a bit short, but uh, that's okay. You don't People have any be... special questions for each other? Oh, we want to do the common parameters. I think we should do something. Something, the uncommon parameters, because we can mix it up a little bit. You come, I, I, what, what am I going to take? You want me to take the... Uh, you take... said you wanted to take one of them. Jordan, what's one time something went wrong while on the job, and how did you handle it? Good question. What did you learn? Ooh. Oh, man, I was not expecting this question. Mm. It's a hard one. Nobody is. So my my favorite, and I actually don't put this down as a failure, I put it down as a success of QA. At the time I was working in QA, so I just was doing my job super thorough. Uh, we, had, we had written in some automation for testing new software uh, downloads. So the update comes in, 
you would pull down all the information, including like the virus totals, and you'd get the hash. And then when it goes time to put it back in, you'd grab the hash of the file you're putting up there and make sure it hadn't changed during all of your testing and everything. So it was a, it was a whole process is time consuming. So we're looking to add some automation. And uh, the, the script was new. And this was script even went through and updated your ticket, which was fantastic. I like that. Yeah. Steven's a, he's a legend. Steven Stoddard. Mm, you're my hero. So, but the, we're running it the first time. I realized that I didn't have time to finish the, the process and I had to come back to it. So I just go quick to uh, exit out. And I exit out of the cleanup point where it was supposed to be cleaning out where the go in here and remove these files. But I didn't put anything. So it defaulted. Instead of just canceling out, it defaulted to whatever my current running directory was, which was system 32. And the script didn't delete all of my system 32, but it deleted enough. It, it deleted enough. So I, what, what I learned is uh, understand the behavior if you're going to cancel something in the middle of it without, without <laughs> looking into it. Ooh, agreed with that one, man. Agreed <laughs> with that one. I guess I can take the one on uh, what would you teach yourself if you were younger in IT? And I kind of mentioned it earlier. But it's just that you don't have to be a superhero or a genius or an all-star or any of those things that I initially put on to other people who I saw doing things that I, I thought maybe weren't so possible for me. Even if that's just writing a blog or creating a module. Uh, I thought that a lot of that stuff was unaccessible to me and just kind of something that ah, I was just going to consume what other people wrote, you know, and that, that's fine. And that is fine. But the truth is, is that you can do anything as long as you have a, you give yourself the space to, to do it. You give yourself the time and space to learn and acquire new skills. You can do anything. Um, and technical and and what I found is it kind of applies to most things, but uh, especially in our IT careers, you can do anything if you give yourself the space to do it, um, and that includes having a conversation with your boss sometimes, asking if hey I really want to learn this skill or start implementing more automation. How can I start working that into our current schedule or you know whatever it is you have to advocate for yourself. So advocate for yourself and give yourself the space to learn and grow, and you don't need to do things and have a successful career. As well done. You, you passed. I went from one to two to three. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for me, my younger self is a real dumbass, so I can always use as much advice as I can get. Yeah, I, I don't think I listened to advice for a while, uh, but there was a time in my career where I was like, "All right, this is I need to start learning from other people's mistakes, not just like going through and forcing myself to be the one to just make them and learn that way." It can be helpful to use other people's. It it does make me. Curious, how many of our, for that question, go back in younger self, how many of it, instead of actually being helpful to the younger self, it just generates regrets like, oh man, I should have listened to, should have listened to that advice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who knows? We'll never be able to tell until they invent time travel. I gotta be honest, I have no interest in talking to myself at time travel. (laughs) I just want to go forward enough in history to watch my Lions win a Super Bowl, you know, like 2380 or something. Sports talk. Yeah. Let's pick one module each. Yeah. What, one module each instead one of three? Module. I we mean, we could. That. Yeah, I think one. Keep it simple. All right. Uh, well, obviously, penis hangman. Okay. I, I I could generally do I love that module. It's I'm terrible at hangman and I, I lose every time, but it's it's fun to be able to throw up a quick game. It's not useful for the day to day stuff, but it's nice to get a, you know, want a quick good away. Start a hangman game. It's not bad. Nice. Mine, throwback to the pre-show, PS Framework. 
it is a cool, pretty diverse module. It has a lot of stuff. Um, pretty powerful. Fred's put a lot of effort into it. Certainly deserves a shout out. Um, I've used it in my projects. Check it out. It's really cool for configuration. Uh, that's what I like about it the most. If I had to pick one part, configuration. All right. Cool, man. We well, did it. We're yeah. thankful for a lot. Well, I'm not sure if either one of us is aware of this, but we've been in the presence of a legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot we had to do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Legend. Tell us about him. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's a guy that's been hanging around here, but it goes by the name Andrew. Ooh, handsome fella. Uh, and boy, he has a way with words that is just, you know what? If you told me he wrote the peak of literary excellence in the Twilight series, I'd believe it. Oh, you have a good uh, taste in books. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that if he did a TV adaptation of The Will of Time, I finally wouldn't hate what's out there for it. That's how that's how good he is. But we get the privilege to listen to Andrew show our podcast today. Okay. First of all, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you, Jordan, for the amazing intro. And if you're listening to this and you don't turn it off, I'm curious. Uh, Send us a message, PowerShell at pdq.com, or let us know in the PDQ Discord, discord.gg slash pdq. There's a PowerShell scripting channel I would love to hear from you in. There's been some cool listeners coming in there asking questions about the pod, asking PowerShell questions. Um, love to connect with you there, as always. Um, Jordan, if people are watching this on YouTube, they need to like, comment, and subscribe. Let us know. Did you make it to the shill? We should do that. If you make it to the shill, let us know in the comments below. We'll know that. You are truly here for us and listening, um, and we're not just talking to each other, which I do like talking to you, Jordan, by the way. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice, please leave us a review, maybe some stars, maybe a little heart. I don't know what your platform has, but Jordan, did you know that we're worldwide? We're on every platform. We're everywhere. People can find us where they are. We'll meet you there. Um, what else am I supposed to say, Jordan? Well, this is normally where you say, how can you reach the guest? But uh, you cover yeah, that we because don't really we're, have... we're the guests. Tell you what, I'm Andrew Plaw. This guy's Jordan Hammond. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at Andrew Plaw Tech. I'm on Mastodon, Andrew Plaw Tech at techhub.social. Um, Jordan, where else, where else can people go to find more about us? I don't know. The uh, internet? Listen here every week. We'll be here. Listen, listen to the podcast every Monday. Uh, and I gotta tell you, it, it's it's worth it. I'm a big fan, and I don't like anything that I do. So this is that's that's a big statement. It is cool. We'll see you next Monday, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, Jordan. These guests we had today were just exquisite. I feel like I know all about air handling. I feel like I'm so thankful for the community and all that we got going on. But catch you next week. Yeah. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick.